This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. I attended college at Cincinnati Christian University, and just down the road from where the school used to be uh, is a little Chinese restaurant called Golden City, and it very quickly became one of my favorite places to eat, the place where I took my wife on our first date to have dinner. Uh, and I remember how wonderful that Chinese food was, uh, not just in terms of flavor, but also in terms of quantity. For a college student to have lunch the next day after just purchasing one meal, it was fantastic. We always had leftovers. And I find myself now, no matter where I happen to go and eat Chinese food, comparing it to my memory of Golden City, when I, when I order egg rolls and soup, weighing it against what that food tasted like, when I get General Tso's chicken, Evaluating the entire restaurant based off what that tastes like. I love General Tso's. It's, the, it's fantastic. That's my dish. I mean, I know Colonel Sanders has a lot going for chicken, but the general really knows what he's doing. He didn't, he didn't get an honorary title. He earned that, that rank, I'll tell you what. But no matter, no matter what you're getting from Chinese food, there's one thing that unites all Chinese restaurants that will always be consistently the same, and that's what comes at the end of the meal, fortune cookie. They're always terrible little cookies with a message inside. No matter where you have Chinese food, those, their cookies are gross. But you get to enjoy sharing these little messages. Some of them are insightful. Some of them are completely irrelevant. Others of them get lost in translation. Those are my favorites. The, the, the fortunes that don't make any sense because they're translated poorly. The grammar is just not there. I, I really enjoy getting those. I look forward to that experience. Today we begin a series in the book of Proverbs. And as we read through Proverbs, we find a lot of different kinds of, of information there. Some of, some of the information in Proverbs is written as a story. And they're short stories with a, with a point, with a purpose. And we learn from them, kind of like the parables of Jesus or maybe a, a fable written by Aesop. Uh, and we, we learn from these short stories. Some of these are, are messages of advice from a father to son or from a, an individual to to another. Uh, there are other bits of information that are, are short little statements of, of truth. And they sound a lot like biblical promises, and it's tempting to want to say, well, this is what the Bible tells me will be true, but really they're, they're more, more maxims. They're, they're uh, revelations of, of what will happen if you choose to, to live your life this way, if-then statements, basically, that, that if, if you do this, then you can expect this to happen. Some of them very complex, and there are multiple ifs and multiple thens, and we have to read through with that understanding and see how the logic plays out in, in that series of events. But opening up the Bible to the book of Proverbs can often make you feel like you're cracking open a fortune cookie, because you're getting these little bits of, of information, little bits of truth. The difference is that in Proverbs, those messages are true and, and relevant and applicable to life. The challenge that we have today is making the decision to apply them to our lives, to, to live differently because of what we're reading and what we're hearing. And that's the challenge that we, we reside in, of applying that wisdom to our lives. Now, much of the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon, or at least attributed to him. We have several other sections that are attributed to other authors. The scribes of King Hezekiah are given credit for portions of the book, beginning in Proverbs 22. 
We don't much know much about this group other than that they were regarded highly for their wisdom. The sayings of Augur are a part of the Proverbs, the advice for King Lemuel. The, the difficulty we have in, in these names is deciding when Solomon was using pseudonyms that go with his stories and when these Proverbs are actually being attributed to different authors or collaborators. Uh, regardless of where they come from or what they are, these are a collection of wisdom. Very broadly applicable, applicable, very broadly applicable. I'll say it right this time. Uh, but at the same time, we understand that they were written for a specific audience, written uh, to a people. And we, and we have to understand that, that context, that, that these Proverbs were written to the people of God, the people of Israel. Uh, some of them were, uh, were written as advice to the next king that was coming by King Solomon. Some of them were written broadly to people in general. But they're all people who know the Lord, who are living in covenant relationship with him. Whether or not they're doing that faithfully or not is, is to, left to be seen. And from what the Proverbs say, I would say that the people of Israel struggle with, with that, with their own faithfulness. But the advice given is to help them grow closer to the Lord, to grow, to grow in, in godly wisdom and live their lives according to the truth that they find And we find encouragement there as well. As these words are passed on from, from the wise, those who have learning and experience. And while we don't know much about the other authors, we do know a lot about Solomon. So we'll take just a minute to, to go through a little bit of history uh, of how Solomon came to be such a, a wise person. Now Solomon was king of Israel, king in the line of David, David's own son, born to David and Bathsheba, actually. And... Solomon was a, a hereditary king, the, the son of a king who then stepped forward to the throne. And you imagine what that would be like, the kind of arrogance that that would breed in a young man, the kind of entitlement that he could have stepped forward to succeed his father on the throne and, and lorded his authority over the people. But Solomon took a different route to the throne. He gathered the leaders of the people of Israel in an assembly, took them to to the tabernacle of the Lord, and there made sacrifices and inquired of the Lord as he prepared himself to take the throne. Second Chronicles chapter 1 gives us that information. Solomon went up the, to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. I can't imagine how long that would take. And that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God, You've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. Solomon sought with the right heart this gift from the Lord. And God gave Solomon wisdom. Solomon was described as one who surpassed the wisdom of Every other king over other wise individuals. First Kings chapter 4 tells us the result. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east. 
greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, apparently very wise people. I don't know any of them personally, but Solomon was wiser than them all. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. This was God's gift to Solomon. God blessed him as the king of Israel. And Solomon recognized the value of this, this wisdom and knowledge and understanding and insight. He treasured it. He learned from it. He didn't always follow it, but he recorded it. Recorded it for his own use, recorded it for the benefit of those who would come after him. And we are a part of that group. And even today, thousands of years later, we are learning from this knowledge, developing wisdom from the study of God's word. This record, we're able to apply these truths, continue to grow. And as we learn more about what wisdom is, it's important for us not only to define wisdom, but to make sure we're aware of what wisdom is not. Now, wisdom, if you look it up in the dictionary, uh, you will find that it includes Insight, discernment, good judgment, knowledge, all of these things wrapped up together. It, it, it involves them all, but even goes beyond. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, the use of information to make wise decisions. I used wise to define wisdom. It's, it's the use of information in our lives, in our decision-making, that brings about a, a better more logical, more productive way of life. Now, it's tempting for us when we think about wanting to grow in wisdom to focus on increasing our knowledge. And, and wisdom requires knowledge. You can't be wise without knowledge to apply to your life, but neither can you be wise simply by learning more. We all know people who are incredibly smart, who have lots of facts and figures and trivia stored in their brains, and yet none of it shows up in the way that they live and their relationships suffer and their decision-making is poor. They haven't learned to apply their learning. We find wisdom as we take what we learn and allow it to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to draw us closer to the Lord and, and be a more accurate ref reflection of who he is in the world. And in our study of Proverbs, that's what we seek to do. We learn about the value of gaining wisdom and the blessing that comes as a result of living in that wisdom. Now, it's important for us to recognize the, the huge difference. Now, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, yes. There's also a difference between the, the godly wisdom that we're learning about through the book of Proverbs and, and other kinds of wisdom that we, we could seek. Wisdom that would help us to gain, help us to grow, that, that's focused on, on me. And even in Scripture, we read that there's a difference between these two kinds of wisdom. James chapter 3, beginning verse 13 James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And we recognize what James is saying, that the wisdom of the Lord is an outward expression. It, it, it helps us to grow. It helps us to become a better person so that we can reach into the lives of people and help them come to know the Lord, that we would do so with 
love and peace and consideration, submitted to God, full of mercy and good fruit, that we would live for something greater than ourselves. There's a difference between this godly wisdom and other wisdom we could, we could take hold of. There's also a difference between godly wisdom and the kind of ideas that are accepted by society. And Jesus confronted the, the opinions of people. On one occasion, Matthew chapter 11, uh, there's a typo on the screen, it's my fault, it's chapter 11, uh, when Jesus w- confronted the disciples of John the Baptist and the crowd of people who were around him about who they thought he was and who they thought John was, here's what it says beginning in verse 15, 16. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating or drinking, and they said, He's a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Because they were opinions floating around about Jesus and about John. And the opinions of people that they believed to be true would be proved wrong, and wisdom would be proved right by her deeds. It's a dangerous thing to thrive on the opinions of people. We live in an age of information. Unlike any generation that's come before us, we have more information available to us in the palm of our hands. We don't even have to remember any of it. We can look it up and find it instantaneously. And where do we go to learn about the li- our lives? Where do we go to learn about the world? Where do we go to frame our, our worldview? Social media. Instead of looking up facts and figures, we look to the opinions of other people. We look to what's trending. We look to what's popular. We look to what's acceptable in society. And we allow that to frame our thought process. We allow that to, to frame our own opinions. And instead of growing wiser, we inundate ourselves with the opinions of people. We find ourselves accepting what, what society accepts, affirming what others affirm, agreeing with the ever-changing definitions of morality. It's time for us to stand on the unchanging word of God, to, to grow in our understanding of who he is and live according to the truth that we find as we apply it to our lives and become wise as we seek the Lord, submit to his will, and follow the guidance of his spirit. That's how we grow in wisdom, by seeking God with the right heart, with the right attitude. And that's where Proverbs tells us to begin in our search for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now we find that verse in the context, uh, beginning of verse 8. Don't rebuke mockers, they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. We begin our quest for wisdom, the right attitude toward God. And the attitude that Proverbs tells us is appropriate is a fear of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean we're running from God in terror like in a scary movie. This is a fear of the Lord that, that brings us to respect God. It provides to us the sense of awe and wonder in relationship to him. It's the same kind of of thinking when you stand on the observation platform at Niagara Falls and you see 
this incredible work of nature that God created, this millions of gallons of waters falling off a cliff and, and pounding into the lake below. And you look at it and you recognize the, the power of that water, the inherent danger that's present. And you are, are, are full of this, this awe and wonder, this respect for the danger that's there. It's the kind of, it's the kind of fear of that thing that keeps you from thinking, well, you know, maybe I could get in a barrel and ride over this thing and survive like some people have done. It's the kind of fear of that thing that helps you understand not to go exploring and climbing on the rocks next to the falls so you don't get swept over and find yourself at the bottom of the lake. We recognize the, the power that's inherent. The same kind of, of attitude that a toddler looks to his father and understands as that child sees the, the difference in size, the difference in strength, the difference in knowledge and understanding, the difference of emotion of a father who is loving and also has emotions like anger and uh, the child experiences encouragement but also discipline and, and they recognize this, this fear that, that, that they have for their father. Not, a, not that they're afraid of a father but that they, they understand the, the power and the authority that's present. And we look to God, and, and that's what Proverbs tells us we should feel at the same time. This, this awareness of the power and majesty and glory of God and his infinite quality, that we look and see God, and we recognize just how much greater he is. And we're aware of the inherent danger of, of such an incredible being that we can't begin to fully understand. Not a danger that's going to destroy us, but a danger that's present when we step outside of his will, of, of punishment that comes for, for sin, of the, the power that's inherent in who he is. And we recognize the awe and wonder that that draws us to seeing him as our heavenly father, full of love and mercy and yet capable of anger and jealousy and punishment. And we respond to God wisely and accurately when we approach him with a fear of the Lord. It's a sense, an attitude toward God that's appropriate that, that keeps us from taking his presence for granted so that we don't edge closer to the boundaries of his will and stray away from his guidance and then experience those consequences of disobedience. See, when we live with an unhealthy perspective of God, we come to a place in our lives where we lack this fear of the Lord. Sometimes that's because we grow distant from God and we begin to explore other responses to God. Maybe, maybe we begin to think that the things that we hear about God are true rather than the things we read in Scripture. And we hear that, that God is love and, and love wins. And, and a loving God would never punish people to an eternity in hell. That, that can't be true. That's what people would say. Even though that's very different from what you would read in Scripture. And if we allow that thought to infiltrate our lives, we lose that sense of fear of the Lord. We have no consequence for sin, so why would we be faithful? If there's no, no punishment for wrongdoing, then why not abuse the grace that we've been given? Why would we ever seek forgiveness or mercy from God if he's going to forgive everything by everyone anyway? And we put our eternal 
future in jeopardy on the hope that what we've heard will be true, even though it's different from what the Word of God tells us to be true about Him. Maybe your attitude toward God has changed as a result of difficulty that you've faced in life. When the pain of loss that you've experienced brings about questions, it brings about frustration, it brings about anger toward God. And in the moment where God didn't intervene in the way that you prayed for him to intervene, you begin to question whether or not he's really there. You begin to question whether or not he's actually going to intervene the next time you ask him to. And the result of those emotions in you causes you to begin living as if God doesn't exist, as if he's not there. And when you allow that mindset to infiltrate your life, you come to a place where you no longer care if your decisions and your actions will pull you away from God. It's a dangerous place to live in the absence of the fear and respect and awe and wonder of God. The Proverbs tells us that the search for wisdom begins with this attitude, with this perspective about God, that we would approach him with an appropriate sense of, of respect and awe. It also tells us that we need to continue growing in the Lord. We need to come to know him more clearly, more closely, more accurately. And as we grow in our understanding of him, we'll grow in wisdom as well. Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 1, says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come understanding, knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who, whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Proverbs tells us that wisdom continues to grow as we submit to God. In fact, that wisdom comes from him, as it did for Solomon, that when we seek wisdom, we seek the Lord. And as we grow in him, we grow in our understanding of who he wants us to be. We grow in the application of the, the, the knowledge that we're gaining about him as we begin living our lives according to that relationship, as we begin making decisions filtered through that, that relationship with the Lord. Proverbs continues to teach us about wisdom, and as we learn more about wisdom, uh, we learn about it through imagery, and, and Proverbs describes wisdom in different ways for us to take hold of. One way that Proverbs describes wisdom is, is like a path that, that we walk on in our relationship with the Lord, a, a path that's straight. It's very different than a path that's, that's winding, that, that foolish decisions take us on detours, that when we walk in wisdom, we walk on this straight path with the Lord. It, it, it talks about this path that is not only straight, but it leads up to life. And that the path of foolishness leads down into death. Proverbs talks about wisdom as if wisdom was a woman calling for people to come into her house and learn from her and be protected. Proverbs chapter 9 not only talks about wisdom as a woman, but also, also folly as a different kind of woman. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Wisdom has built her house. She's set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She's sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, Let all who are simple come to my house. 
To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. And if you jump down to verse 13, we hear the other side. The folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. But they do, but little do they know that the, the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. That's interesting to see. That as, as Proverbs teaches us about wisdom and the value of wisdom, it, it paints that picture on both sides of the coin. It, it teaches us the, the value of, of, of right living, of gaining wisdom and living in that wisdom. It also teaches us the consequences that come when we ignore wisdom, when we choose sinfulness, when our focus is self the destruction that comes, not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with other people and the, the loss of things that we value. And, and, and I appreciate the fact that wisdom teaches us both the blessing of faithfulness and the penalty of unfaithfulness. It's important for us to learn from both sides of that coin. And to be perfectly honest, I think most of us learn more quickly from the negative side of, side of that coin. When we're told what not to do, we hear that message much more clearly than when we're, when we're given expectations of what we could do or should do. It reminds me of the beginning of Jeff Foxworthy's career as a comedian when he used a phrase to elevate himself above other comedians. You remember that phrase? You might be a redneck if. He's had other phrases in between, but, but I remember that very clearly. Now, if you think about that, that comedy tour, I don't ever remember hearing Jeff Foxworthy stand in front of an audience and very confrontationally say, you're a redneck. You're a redneck because of this. You're a redneck because of the way that you dress and the way that you cut your hair. No. He said, you, you might be a redneck if. And then he would go on to describe something that we have all seen in the world around us. Maybe, maybe the thing that our neighbor does that really irritates us. And, and somehow Jeff Foxworthy knew what that was. And he said, you might be a redneck if you do this thing. We go, yeah, my neighbor does that. So true. Or he describes what a relative of yours the way they dress, the way they cut their, their hair. You might be a redneck if. And we say, yeah, totally a redneck. And then he goes so far as to say something that's true about me. You might be a redneck if. And I go, oh, I'm a, oh. And you know what? I don't argue with him. I kind of align with his statement because of the way that he presented it to me. Now, the book of Proverbs does the same thing for us. We don't read in the book of Proverbs, you're lazy, you're an idiot. What we read in the book of Proverbs is, if you choose the way of the lazy, then you can expect to find this kind of consequence. If you make poor decisions, your relationships will be destroyed. And we read through the book of Proverbs, and as we read through the failures and the consequences that come, we're reminded of people that we know, a friend of ours that behave that way and, and receive that same kind of consequence. And we say, wow, this is really true. I've seen it happen. We think about our, our family members who are described very clearly in some of the negative things in the book of Proverbs. We say, wow, this, this is so accurate. And then the book of Proverbs says something that really hits home. It, it teaches us something about who we really are. And we, we read words that describe our past. 
and we remember the consequences that we faced. And we read more words that describe our potential future, a temptation that we faced. And we read the consequences that might come from that decision. And we say, you know what? This has been so true for every other aspect that I've read. I know that this will also be true. And I want to make a better decision in my life. And instead of confronting us with this harsh reality, we find ourselves aligning with the truth that we find here because of the way it's presented. That we can learn from this distant example and apply it to our lives very clearly. And I think there's some insight into the way that Solomon and the other authors wrote those things out. Because we very often learn, we very often identify with the foolish more than we identify with the wise. And we learn from their example of what not to do. Sometimes better than we learn from the standard of what we could be. We we hear these messages in the book of Proverbs. And in chapter 4, we, we hear more, beginning verse 1. It says this, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I, I give you sound learning, so don't forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. And then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. It will be such a value to your lives. And the message we receive from this passage in Proverbs is that it's important for us to seek wisdom in every way possible as we want to live our lives and grow in our understanding of the Lord, as we want to be a reflection of, of his character and his will in the world around us, we need to seek wisdom, godly wisdom, in every way possible. And, and we need to choose to, to be a lifelong learner. We need to choose to, to put ourselves in a position to learn in every situation, in every experience, in every relationship that we would learn and grow in every way possible. In your bulletin, Below that last point, you'll find some bullets, bullet points. And uh, I'm going to fill in the blank for some of those. And maybe you can think of things I didn't. If you want to jot down your ideas there, I'd love to hear what they are after the sermon. But here's my advice to you in the ways that you can learn. The first place we need to learn is from God. As we seek him, spend time with him, as we, as we dive into his word, as we in, in, engage in prayer, that we would learn from God, more so than anywhere else in the world. And I think there, there comes a time in each of our lives where we, we realize that we're feeling distant from God. We realize that, that our, our life is far from what we want it to be, and it's not a, an accurate reflection of who God has made us to be. And as we, we begin to, to examine why, we very often come to this conclusion we're feeling far from God because we haven't spent any time with him. We're feeling distant. We're seeing the, the evidence in our lives that our relationship with God is, is strained because we haven't put any time into our day to, to read his word. We haven't spent any time during the day having a conversation with him in prayer. And what we really need to do is to grow in our understanding of God because wisdom comes from him. To grow in our understanding of, of the Holy One. 
and gain knowledge in him, not only about who he is, but about who he made us to be. We allow him to teach and guide. And as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God and his word, we also find the perfect standard to measure every other source of knowledge and information and wisdom that we can filter through scripture to make sure that it aligns with that truth. So begin with seeking wisdom from the Lord. We can also seek wisdom from people that God has placed in our lives, parents, God has placed parents in each of our lives to help us grow and to mature and to become the people that he wants us to be. Now, not all of us have a great relationship with parents. And sometimes it's difficult to keep learning from parents, especially as your situation in life changes and roles are reversed and and you, you move beyond a child in the home. But parents will always have valuable things to teach you as you sit and talk about life and they give you advice. Don't discount what your parents say. Even if you are an adult living on your own with grown children of your own, your parents still have valuable things to say to you. They have lived longer than you have. They have been where you are in many ways. Don't discount the wisdom of their years and experiences, and don't discount the love that they have for you and the way that they want good things for you. God has placed friends in your life to learn from, and you can seek wisdom from your friends, but Let's be clear. While some of your friends are very wise and can help you grow close to the Lord, some of your friends are not wise. Okay? We all have those friends. Sometimes your friends are a great example of what not to do. And when they give you advice, do the opposite. When they provide an example of impulsive decisions, do the opposite. Maybe those friends are there in your life to teach you from their negative example, but maybe you're in their life because you're the wise friend for them. And they're going to learn a little bit from you. But learn from your friends. Learn from the wise friends. Learn from the unwise friends and grow through those experiences that you have together. But always be learning. Learn from people around you that aren't your friends. You have coworkers that are outside your circle of friends. You have a boss. You have people that you're, 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 you're selling things to in the course of a day. People that you meet and have a conversation with. Learn from everybody. God has placed people in your circle in your world, that you meet every day. And every person that you meet can teach you something. Don't ever discount somebody because they're different. Don't look at someone and say, you know, you're a little bit too old. I don't really want to listen to anything you have to say. Or, you know, I think you're, you're a little young. You're a little, I don't think you have enough experience to really help me out in this area. Learn from people. Learn from people that you're just meeting. You know, people that you're meeting for the first time can teach you a lot about yourself. We, we all of us have have gotten used to seeing the world through our own eyes. And we don't know what it's like to have to deal with our personality. We don't know what it's like to have to deal with the rough edges of who we are. When you meet people the first time, they have a lot to teach you about the things you don't know about yourself. And and you can learn something from everyone. Be open to that experience. Be willing to listen and to grow. But always filter what you learn through the lens of Scripture to make sure that it is true and applicable and right. Learn from the wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. There are wise people in in your world. Maybe different than the wise people I have in my world. But I want to encourage you to seek those people out, especially in their area of expertise, and learn everything you can from them. Value that time. And grow from the experience. 
I, I was blessed enough to have a set of four grandparents who all love the Lord. And I, I spent a lot of time with, with my grandparents and, and learned so much from what they had to teach me. All four of my grandparents have passed away. My, my last grandparent, my grandmother passed away this year. I said this week, last service, it's this year. And I no longer have access to their wisdom. I no longer have, have the ability to have a conversation with them, to talk to them about what I'm experiencing, to, to the difficulties that I'm facing in life, and, and hear them talk to me about what happened to them when they were my age, and hear them share with me about the wisdom of, of, that they have learned from God's Word that maybe I haven't ever seen before. I don't have access to my grandparents, and I want to encourage you to think about the value of, of the, the wise people in your lives. Cherish those moments with them. Grow from that experience, and don't take it for granted, even for a minute. It's easy to look back in hindsight and to see where you might have done that before. It's another thing to, to step forward into that relationship and choose not to have regrets. And speaking of regrets, that's another great place for us to learn from failure. Wisdom is often gained through correction, discipline, and rebuke. And that's a hard, a hard way to learn things. But we all need to learn from our mistakes. Sometimes it's failure that actually awakens us to our need for wisdom. It's the place that we, we find ourselves at rock bottom when a relationship is broken, when we experience a loss that we know is our fault, we've made poor decisions and we experience those consequences, those moments where our eyes are suddenly open to the fact that we haven't been living the way that we need to live. We've been making decisions that are absolutely detrimental. And now we, have, we find ourselves in a place where we need to make better decisions, where we need to put our feet on a better path. It's, it sometimes is the, the best time for us to begin seeking after wisdom and making those decisions. And we all have had those experiences. We all share in this, this one experience. We've all failed. We've all found ourselves knocked down and needing to get up. And the difficulty is that some, sometimes when we're alone and there's nothing else to think about, we're haunted by the memory of our regrets. We need to learn from those. And we need to make sure that we don't allow those memories to hold us back and keep us down, to cripple us from being who God wants us to be. Instead, we need to learn from our failures, even when we know that we were in the wrong, even though we know that those memories represent the, 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 the poorest representation of our character, the place where we failed, the place where we were selfish, the place where we hurt people significantly. We need to grow from those memories, grow from those moments, and see how to live life aligned with God's will and his way as we move forward on that straight path, honoring others and growing in wisdom and the way that we apply it to our decisions and to our lives. And the last place we need to, to seek out wisdom is in the unexpected, in the things that, that show up that we had no idea they were coming, to, to know that God has things in store for us that we aren't planning ourselves, that God's ways are so much greater than our ways. God's will is so much greater than our will and God's truth is so much greater than what we even understand yet. And if we're willing to see God in those things, in those moments, he has a great deal to teach us about the way we're living our lives and the way that we need to live our lives. 
that we have a lot of room to grow. And we need to treat wisdom as something that we have not yet attained, like a hidden treasure that we need to go searching for, like silver that's precious. Maybe we need to sell everything we have to get it. That's how we need to view wisdom. Even though it costs you everything, get wisdom.